Welcome to Comedy vs. the Machine. My name is Kyle. I'm apparently wet. Is that the wrong <laughs> phrasing? Soaked. Oh. And I'm the machine. Dave just poured an entire cup of water on himself. Quite hilariously, <laughs> I should point out. So anyways, he's uh, going to be recording this entire episode upside down. We're going to share a mic. It's going to be very sensual. This is a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. That year just so happens to be the year 2018. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film Spider-Man colon Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Gotta go. If you want me to drive you, we gotta go now. Oh, I'll walk. Personal chauffeur going on. It's okay. Seriously, Dad, walking would have been fine. Breaking news, Spider-Man saves the day again. Spider-Man. This guy swings in, wants the day, zip zaps off Nancy. Accountability. Speed up, speed up. You know, I know these kids. Don't miles, man. You get arrested? Guys, don't cops run red lights? Well, yeah, some do. But, uh, not your dad. In your universe, there's only one Spider-Man. But there is another universe. It looks and sounds like yours, but it's not. My name's Miles Morales. Hey, kid. You're like me. Of course, a big thank you to our patrons over on Patreon. Their contributions help us continue this show since, you know, <laughs> the machine doesn't help us pay for these movies. Plus, each month we do a bonus episode over there. Dave, do you ever feel like you're living a life where multiple timelines are converging? They just converged in my lap. It's gross. I don't, I don't need to know about any of that. This this past week, the, the machine and uh, all this other backstory that we've been providing, this deep and rich fiction that we know each and every person who listens to this podcast yearns for. Mm -hmm. It just seems like uh, our season one machine, who is much more angry, our season two machine that was so aloof, and our season three machine that, that was like, or our, our more most recent machine, who was like uh, lovelorn and, 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 and uh, besotted with... Uh, besotted? You know, <laughs> Yeah, with, that was great. With, uh, yeah, with, English with major. Uh -huh. uh, anyways, it seems to be doing all three things sometimes simultaneously. I don't know. I I think that maybe there is a multiverse afoot. Not everything is a multiverse. Oh, that there's three robots, but mm. only one robot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know how that can be a thing. You know what though? I mean, as uh, dumb as that is, <laughs> as dumb as that is, if one could time travel. That would presume that that's exactly what is going on, because time travel itself is a paradox, isn't it? Christianity has told me that a person can be a son, a father, and a Holy Ghost all at the same time. Well, not just so. like one person. One person. Correct. Jesus Christo. Dave, we have a kind of a big film to talk about here this week, of course, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Kind of coincidentally, only a month before the sequel comes out into theaters oh, really? uh, okay. across the Spider-Verse. Nice. I want to go big picture here first. Okay. I just want to talk Pan about Spider-Man. Just Spider-Man, the character. What is your history with Spider-Man? Uh, I have a big history with Spider-Man. Spider-Man's my top five comic book, American comic book loves. Uh, mm -hmm. When I was a kid, the cartoon Spider-Man was one of the occasional lunchtime shows. You have to be 
particular here. You're talking about the 1970s cartoon yeah. that they just replayed yeah. back then. Right, yeah. right, right. Sorry, yes, on reruns. The uh, now memed one where mm -hmm. uh, they use cardboard cutouts, They're pointing basically. at each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which they replayed the same uh, animation cycle every episode to fill like a good five minutes because <laughs> uh, they didn't have enough money. That's just how you did animation in America <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the 70s, 80s. Mm -hmm. And 90s. Oh, it looks like I have to swing across the entire city again. <laughs> well, this will take up a good minute and a half. Um, and then I was in elementary school when Marvel did its big reboot and Todd McFarlane mm. reinvented Spider-Man with Spider-Man 1. I think it was just a Spider-Man. I don't think it was amazing or incredible at that time, but I could be wrong. Not to get too far into the weeds, but there have... Amazing Spider-Man has been the one that's going on the longest. That's the title of the comic book itself. But then there's like spectacular Spider-Man. There's just Spider-Man that have popped up throughout yeah, the years as well. Yeah, there's a lot now. Uh, I mean, that's the problem. I think with with American characters living on through decades, you just yeah, it's a mess. And then Sam Raimi made Spider-Man. Yeah. And then my opinion, the second Spider-Man was an amazing, amazing all-time film. One of the best uh, superhero movies. Well, this is the amazing Spider-Man, Dave. Uh, and then uh, third one, shit. I didn't really get into the Andrew Garfield one, but I will say, as we've discussed before, each characterization of Spider-Man in the films, they get like the actors fit one and not the other persona. So I yes. actually liked Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man because he's a sarcastic motherfucker. Quippy. Yeah, exactly how he, he is in the he books. He's too yeah. like uh, emo good looking to be Peter Parker. <laughs> Tobey Maguire, actually, I actually liked him in it when he's dweeby and, uh, you know, Spider-Man's fine. And the new one, uh, what's his face? Tom Holland, Tom Holland has been pretty good. I just don't like the daddy issue storyline with Iron Man. I just can't comprehend why they added that in. Well, I have my own theories on that, but I'm going to say some similar things to you. Uh, for me, though, Spider-Man is my number one. Ooh. My one and always. I was always Batman guy. Sorry. Yeah, I liked Batman the animated series and the Tim Burton Batman. Like I was all into that, but Spider-Man was the book that I read obsessively. I would go to the comic book store, not just buy new comic books, but I would actively try and find like, I want to see like original. I mm -hmm. want to go back to the sixties and seventies and eighties and read old storylines and understand the lore even better. Let's have a hands so up was... for any listener who's surprised right. by that. <laughs> so Spider-Man was a guy. I also watched as a little kid, the, animated spider-man i dipped into a little bit i'm just a little bit too old for this but they did a, a new spider-man cartoon in the 90s really which is usually like agreed upon by a bunch of fans to be pretty good mm -hmm. i didn't watch it i saw i think i've seen like two After or three episodes time. maybe yeah no i have no recollection so then i was very active into collecting comic books in the 90s do you know why i stopped dave because you you got a life I, I got a life, but uh, that's actually untrue. I did not. I did not get a life until I was 26. There's actually a very famous storyline in Spider-Man lore. A lot of people claim is what their jumping off point was for a while because of how convoluted it got. Okay. That's like all, but, more, um, that's all Marvel comic books. But okay. What was, which one was this one? It is the clone saga. No, it's definitely after my time. So I'm not going to go too, too far into this, but just know that I'm also the person who thought that Venom was cool, yep. but people older than me think Venom is literally the worst character ever created when for a When he first came book. out, it was cool. I hated Carnage. And as soon as mm. that started, I, I walked away from the whole thing. Anyways, keep going. Sure. I'm a loser too. Let's do this. It's horrifying hearing you both speak about this with knowledge. The whole clone saga was this. 
and they love to do this in comic books, is just drag out certain storylines way, way too long. <laughs> I think that had they done the Clone Saga in a year, it'd be fine. Because it went for like eight, people eight just got so years. frustrated. Yeah. Because the whole concept was that, hey, Peter Parker, the person that you've been following for 40 years, actually isn't Spider-Man. Never was Spider-Man. It was actually his clone this whole time whose name is Ben Riley. That's awful. And so Peter Parker goes off, this new character shows up, and everyone's like, uh, what? Yeah, that doesn't make any <laughs> I don't sense. want to be reading this. Yeah. I want to be reading about Peter Parker. I don't care about this new character you just introduced. Who came up with that? The, the writers at the time. Yeah. Um, anyways, because it went for so long, eventually, as you might suspect, it was a plot by, I want to say, the Green Goblin. That makes the most sense. To make it look like Peter Parker wasn't the real Spider-Man, but he actually was. Oh, they tried to it got, again, it. Mm -hmm. it's so convoluted and dumb and people got so mad at it but uh, as you might know we talked about this in our uh, black panther episode about our history with marvel comics it got so uh, sorry the, the comic book industry almost like completely tanked, uh, tanked in yeah. the late 90s yeah and it was only through a complete restructuring of both marvel and dc that it didn't go away completely saved by movies so, frankly i don't think anybody was um, buying comic books until yeah. sam raimi's spider-man again i always wanted there to be a spider-man movie like i was like oh i really want there to be a spider-man movie i like him so much i think they could do it james cameron very famously was meant to make a spider-man film oh, i didn't know that it is why he is credited. Is it a story by credit? He's credited in, in the first Sam Raimi movie oh, because that know. was going to be his film oh, I didn't know for that the either. longest time before he had to hand it off. Once you once it's pointed out, it's like, oh, you can definitely tell this is a James Cameron movie just by certain plot points. <laughs> oh, like as far as the, the writing yeah. of it. And then he discovered the hidden world of Pandora. The ocean. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's Actually, what no, Pandora to do. was the jungle. Uh, and so then that's what he's done for the last 25 years of his life. Well, he's been developing subs. We've talked about this briefly too. I always feel like I have this very like counter opinion of the Sam Raimi movies. Having recently rewatched them, I think last year, I can look at it from like a bird's eye view and be like, these are well-made movies. They're well shot. They're well directed. They're even well acted for the most part. But Tobey Maguire bugs the heck out of me. I just cannot fully commit to his portrayal of the role. It's just something about it is, is a mental block for me to be like, he's just you not know, hitting this right. You know what it is? You grow a Spider-Man and mm. you personify Peter Parker as yourself. And you're watching Tobey Maguire, who's such a bratty, bratty mm. like looking actor that it just offends you that it's not Kyle Marshall starring in it. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. Uh, I could have taken out Macho Man. <laughs> I'm just gonna put that out there. What was his name? The Razor. Uh, no, Stone? he's the Bones? Crusher, isn't he? Bonesaw. Bones McGraw. Bonesaw. Bonesaw McGraw. I agree with you, though, with the thing. There's been countless Spider-Man stories. Yeah. Well, I think we'll wait till Infinity War to talk about like the coup that it was that Marvel was able to include mm. Spider-Man. Yeah, that's right. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe oh, in well, the first place. You can just but. quickly mention that's how you know Marvel was uh, not doing great because it sold the rights of its greatest character to oh. Sony. Right? That's right. Yeah. Like they had sold off things. Uh, Fox got the uh, X-Men X -Men yeah. and some other characters. Paramount got the Hulk. Spider-Man went to Sony. And then they all even had the B team to make the Avengers with. I think that even though with my reservation with Toby who Toby Hooper, Toby with Hooper, Toby McGuire, yeah. I think that he, he is pretty decent as Peter Parker 
not a great Spider-Man when he's costumed up, but Spider-Man 2, I mean, is great. It's a great I, movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> I'm not going to make... Layers, baby. Then we have Spider-Man 3. There's a whole debacle there. It makes a ton of money, though. Yeah. Like, we have to be fair. It makes a ton of money. Sam Raimi wanted to make more, and... Uh, wasn't, wasn't the story that he didn't want all the storylines in 3 to be one film? But then Sony was like, we're cutting your budget. You get one shot. So he just... The biggest thing is that, yeah, he was overwritten as a director because he did not want to have Venom in that movie at all. Yeah. The other producer said, too bad, you have to include him. It's like, the 70s show is a hit. You're bringing Topher yeah. Grace in this fucking thing, whether you like it or not. Everyone knows the problems with Spider-Man 3. I actually do find the Sandman stuff kind of compelling in that movie. Oh, I think yeah. there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. But again, anyways, that, that whole movie is a mess. There's a pause, there's a reset. I think in part why there was no more movies too was that Tobey Maguire was kind of like, I'm he done with this. And he canceled himself. Then they cast Andrew Garfield, my homeboy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I agree with you 100%. I think he's a great Spider-Man when he's costumed up. Not at all what Peter Parker should no. be. Like, he's too cool. Too, he's cool, too cool, too smarmy, too hip. It's like, that yeah. is not what Peter Parker is. I'm sorry. You need the dichotomy, right? You need mm -hmm. the shell of a nerd and you need a superhero yes. within. I mean, that's the whole... That's just Marvel. Marvel's so yeah. good at that. I will say, though, the one saving grace, because both of those movies I'm just don't like very much mm -hmm. the chemistry between him and emma stone as yep. gwen stacy in those movies is like off the charts like it is actually you can i think it's just it. her she's just good at that like maybe, okay. maybe. is Could there be. yeah is there a film that she's been in where she hasn't been able to develop chemistry with whomever with she's with yeah boy or true. girl romance or comedy or horror movie or drama mm. she's good i like her i do run the emma stone fan page dave so <laughs> kyle's for emma.com i'm the treasurer and then of course we have the new tom holland who's been spider-man now for going on 10 years it's crazy ish and he looks exactly the same baby face yeah he looks so young even though he's like mid-20s now late 20s now he? he's not over 30 yet Oh, was he actually young when he started Spider-Man? He was, yeah, right? He, he was, was like 16 really or Really young. Okay. Was one of the I don't know if he was original, but he was one of the Billy Elliots in the West End in London. So he do knows you, ballet and he knows a lot how to do use use movement in his acting, which is nice. Do you think he's secretly getting plastic surgery every year to continue playing Ooh, as Spider-Man? I like this theory. I have yet to see him be good in any other movie besides no. Spider-Man. Yeah. So <laughs> I, don't I know. He tries the dramas, but he looks like a 16-year-old. It's not working, mm -hmm. right? It's not working. Oh, you're a vet with PTSD. I'm not watching that. I'm sorry. No. It's just that you don't... Yeah. You Bro were beard, literally 12. Yeah. I don't buy this, yeah. <laughs> Who, there's someone else that was like that for the... Oh, I actually think that that's in part what hurt Harry Potter, what Daniel, oh, Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe for a while. He's trying so I saw hard. this one movie... Where he's like, he's playing a dad, but the son's like, you look 17. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you, this is not that's, working. In no. recent years, that's different. He does look he like he's aged himself now. Up. But yeah, he dirty himself. For a while there, it's like, you're, no, no. <laughs> that's all to say that uh, here's my really maybe provocative statement. I don't know necessarily if any of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies are great. <laughs> mm. The second one, especially, I just don't think is very good. Second but the first one, I think, works a lot because Michael Keaton is so great yeah. in that movie what that I think it buffets kind of a weaker script. But I do enjoy oh. it, so I can't I can't be too mean about it. Yeah, yeah. And I am 
under duress almost because it's like i understand that this is all fan service and it's the thing that i criticize all the time but it's fan service for something that i want to be fan service by so the no way home stuff all worked for me which is basically cribbing from this movie let's just be frank but like they wanted to make this movie with humans in it up to the very last, up to the conclusion. It's mm-hmm. excellent. And then the epilogue is fucking stupid because he yes. shouldn't even be able to exist as a human being if he doesn't have any ID, place to live, job, you know, friends, family, nothing. But he's got an apartment somehow. It's bullshit. Yeah, I th- I'm okay with that. I don't mind the second Tom Holland Spider-Man. I think it's just because uh, they went for it with Mysterio. And I thought it was really an interesting idea. Of these draw, it doesn't make any sense. But that is a no, hard well, bad guy to bring to the screen. Mysterio right? is a hard bad guy to get right. Yeah. Although I think the fun thing about Jake Gyllenhaal is that I think he's so unhinged in real life <laughs> that it's like, oh yeah, I, I buy this. Yeah, yeah. I totally buy this. This <laughs> is this is like Tobey Maguire, right? Yeah. It's not Kyle Marshall, so Kyle Marshall's upset. But Jake Gyllenhaal's no, I, a nutter, and you're like, oh, he cray cray. Yeah, this right. is this is my real nerdy opinion about the second one that you're gonna get so mad at. Oh, wait, so, uh, I, uh, Tom Holland's Spider Man. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Fundamentally, don't like the fact that it takes place in Europe. I think it actually is Why? the wrong move for a Spider Man story. Oh, Spider Man is huh. a New York yeah. superhero yeah. who who protects New York. Yeah. And you could, they could yeah. do everything that they wanted to do here, yeah. but just not have it be in London or whatever, wherever they are at. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, even the the premise of his uh, mistake in the first one was that they went to Washington, D.C. Right. Yeah. But now they're in Europe. So, it obviously, it doesn't make sense. That's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. But it doesn't affect the movie itself. But I agree. It was weird yeah. to go there. Yeah. This film is coming out near the culmination of like this huge MCU Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe. Like we're all, we're a year away from Endgame when this movie is coming out, or just under a year from Endgame. So this animated story called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So do you recall any? Remember anything at the time? Oh, like yeah. were you excited for this movie Absolutely. coming out? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know how I came across the trailer. Probably YouTube because we don't have cable. And it was like, I think I mentioned this last week, maybe, but it was like when I saw the trailer for everything, everywhere, all at once, as soon as I see the opening sequence, you're like, this is going to be fucking incredible. And I really wish I could see this in theater, which I don't think I did. And it just looked good. It just looked good. And we were more innocent in our wokeness. It's just the idea of kind of like reconfiguring Spider-Man was just exciting. It, It didn't feel like patronizing or a diversity hire. It was like, this is a new, fresh take urbanizing spider-man right for people who are not into the spider-man lore there was this other spider-man comic book called spider-man beyond unlimited sorry it was called spider-man unlimited written by a very famous comic book writer called brian michael bendis and he created this character called i shouldn't say that he co-created a character called miles morales who was not supposed to be peter parker it was his his own story and people loved him like people adored him in the comic books and this is the first time i've seen miles morales brought into a storyline he's referenced in the first tom holland spider-man oh really i didn't pay attention not to donald that. glover what's it uh um, charles gambino what's his actual yeah, name donald glover oh donald glover okay yeah because he is playing uncle aaron because he says like my son miles like oh. he, or sorry, sorry my, my nephew miles he actually says that in that movie oh like he's not he's uh yeah he's the prowler yes so oh, interesting like i at least connected to at least adjacent mm-hmm. to but yeah miles is not actually shown up in like a main You're a nerd i can't believe you picked that up wow mm-hmm. 
people were online on the blogs <laughs> talking about this, Dave. It was, so that was exciting. Yeah. Miles Morales is a beloved character. I love Miles Morales from the comic book books too. I was like, oh, this is so cool. I am one of those people though that I have like, I had a little arched eyebrow. I was like, the, the rock. I was like, hmm? I was like, what? For the for the actual animation style. Because I know, even at the time, people were saying like, oh, it looks gorgeous, looks amazing. And I was like, I don't know. There's something, I, I wasn't fully <sighs> invested with it yet. I keep bringing up the favorite, but there's just something, there's something close-minded about you sometimes, right? Sometimes there is. Yeah. I, I agree. Even when they went and saw it, you had your, that was you had my, your nose in the air, your thumb, you're thumbing it, you're thumbing it as you left. I the, was so surprised by this movie because I thought it was going to be just a, a Sony cash grab. I did not actually have that much faith that they were going to do a good story. So I was so blown away by the actual content of the movie. Oh, I was like, this is amazing. great. This is so good. Everything I've wanted in a Spider-Man film that I haven't actually ever fully gotten before. And I was like, that might be my favorite spider-man film mm -hmm, of all time mm -hmm. um and i'll get into more of what why that is later on but my bit my moment one little nitpick which i have since i don't think this anymore but i'm just trying to be honest watching it in theaters it did feel at times like i was watching a 3d film but without the glasses on like it seems like it was double exposed yeah. it felt like at times and it's meant to be yeah yeah but it just it was throwing me off sometimes where it felt like i was it was just not being projected properly. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> so fine. Just... I'm laughing at your past self. It's just so funny uh, what both of us end up criticizing when we have, you know, these biases that come up a lot. We've been talking about movies for more than three years. So, yeah, I, it's not just you, but it is funny when they pop up and you're like, give me a fucking break. Except, yeah, <laughs> you know, I've done petty shit like that too. So, but I mean, this will, this is going to key up our, like, is this still culturally relevant? Like, Every animated movie yeah. has now emulated this style. Yeah. Like it has been that big of a seismic change. It's like which the, is great. It's the matrix of American animation. Hundred yes. percent. Right? Yeah. It's like everyone's like, how can we get even like the new Puss in Boots movie oh, yeah. has a section that is right out of a like well, they, a Spider Verse movie. The shutter angle thing we can talk mm -hmm. about, but I actually like the Puss in Boots. Uh, the second one was great. Whatever this one was called, the last. The last Meow. wish or something, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Which I think is kind of surprising in only one way where I didn't think that was going to be the case. It, it seemed like the Pixar stranglehold of like everything kind of looking the same, <laughs> no That's, matter what movie it is, yeah. uh, was going to continue on forever. Well, even Disney knew there's a problem because yeah. they were experimenting with different animation techniques for their own properties. I mean, it just... To point this out, Mitchell's versus the Machines came out the year after this or two years after this. Two years after, same yeah. Same studio. And while that's a good, enjoyable movie because they don't have the story, it doesn't stand this test of time. So this is right. a culmination. It's like The Matrix. There have been visually cyberpunky stuff before. There have been stories about alternate realities, but that one meshed it all together, making the meshing hands on our Zoom call. And mm -hmm. Spider-Verse did that for uh, science fiction, comic book animation, everything. It is the best Spider-Man movie ever made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fuck you, Tom Holland. <laughs> wow, I was going to go that <laughs> far. But it's true. I think it's they're able to nail this like very human story. Yes. This very family story mixed with like, yes, a superhero fantasy storyline that is the more you scratch it there is actually a way more depth to it than oh, i think yeah. a lot of people are giving credit for even at the time and i will say this not that multiverses were like invented by this movie either really started that craze yeah. like honestly like now every movie has to have some sort of like multiverse angle it's inside of it they realized it can work if you're careful mm -hmm. but i think it yes. only really works for cartoons because we're already existing in this bubble 
that we know it's never real. And as soon as we break that and go into the human world, it always starts to fall apart. Time travel is like that too. There's something that- Well, I, I do think that the, the trick this movie plays, this is another great example of a villain who is absolutely villainous. Yeah. But I, I understand. I understand what your drive is. You've lost your family. Yeah. Yes, you are trying everything you can to get your family back. No matter if you destroy the world in the process. And it's like, oh, okay. I get that. That's, that's a good that, bad that, guy. That, that tracks. Yeah, yeah. That's a great bad guy. It's, I mean, all the classics are like that in their mm -hmm. original forms. And like to your point earlier, we lost that in the comic book world because they wouldn't let these properties exist, let's say as graphic novels. Like if you watch, mm. if you read Dark Knight Returns, that is an amazing encapsulated Batman story. Sure. If you try to like shoehorn that into his origin story in the 15, like he broke his back, you know, all that kind of shit, then the characters stop feeling real. You know, how many times has he fought Joker in the last hundred years? Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. more than a hundred times. It doesn't make any sense. So yeah, the portrayal of Kingpin, and I love because we're in a multiverse, we can reimagine all the tired tropes of the bad guys. So mm -hmm. it was really well thought out and really well. Yes. I mean, I don't, you'll know more. I didn't actually do any of the background research how long this took to develop, but my guess is it was very intentional. Kingpin appearing and his huge body becoming all negative space. I mean, that's a design yeah. decision, right? That's a oh, beautiful, yeah. beautiful They idea. got a lot of heavy hitters from the animation world to come in and help this because Lord and Miller, who kind of spearheaded this, very intentionally were like, we want to remake what an animated film can be. Yeah. Like they, they, they that was like their first impulse on this. And uh, to answer your question, it took about four years, four years from development, like script to actually like having it completed. They wanted to ad adapt a very current storyline at the time and one that i have read called spider-verse how convenient not even a little bit the same as what this movie ended up being um, i'll just very quickly briefly state this storyline in 2014 it's called spider-verse i was still collecting comic books at the time what is sort of hinted in this movie is that there are a bunch of different like spider people with like spider superhero powers the more you get into that marvel has this thing within their multiverse that exists in the comic books it's like okay this spider-man exists on this world this spider-man exists in this world and very few of them ever actually cross pollinate mm -hmm. and so in that comic book storyline there's this new group who are going and basically killing spider-man from different universes so all the spider-man from different universes converge and take them out like that's basically what that storyline uh, is king um, the conqueror storyline and loki that's basically what that storyline is all about but uh, has some fun stuff because it references the 70s cartoon in that comic book series too which is pretty fun they have spider ham which is one of my favorite like little yeah <laughs> uh, parody uh characters because he's hilarious and uh, basically they just took that concept because they wanted it to be miles morales from the very beginning that was also like from the beginning it's like let's do that storyline with miles and like change animation forever <laughs> that's that was basically their impulse that's what they wanted to do well these are the guys that made lego fun again so <laughs> this is the, the this is the why i'm so excited about lord and miller and why i'm so disappointed that we never got to see uh they were uh, supposed to do a star wars movie mm. which never happened uh because they wanted to do something fairly radical by the sounds of it. Uh, maybe what their radical idea was, was to make a good Star Wars movie. Hey-o. And um, George Lucas I'm always like, excited no. to see what they do Fuck because you, no. honestly, they did this twice in a row. And I would also argue three times in a row where they were the writers and directors. And the first was like, we're going to do a movie based on 22 Jump Street. Yeah. And as soon as you see it, I'm like, well, that's not going to be good. <laughs> 21, 21 Jump Street. Yeah. Oh, sorry, 21 Jump Street. Yeah. That's right. And then it's like, oh, 
It was actually a pretty decent comedy. That was actually pretty solid. And then one of the great comedies of that era, yeah. Yeah, it's like, and now we're gonna make a movie based on Lego. I'm like, well, that's not gonna be any good. <laughs> it's like, what? This really is really good. great. <laughs> and then it's like, we're gonna follow that up with a sequel called Twenty Two Jump Street. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's definitely not gonna be any good. And it's like, that's actually really good too. I did so rewatch that, that like two weeks ago, and it it's. It's it's medium. Sure, I'm just saying. Like you, you pitched that, and it's like that's going to be awful. Yeah. And it's like, oh, actually, it's it actually is way laughs. better than it has any right to be. Yeah, him high fiving Ice Cube is still my favorite thing <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> Ice Cube is my favorite thing in all both movies. <laughs> that and Korean Jesus is hilarious. But uh, yeah. So this is our backstory here. We should probably get into talking about the movie, but before we do, let's uh, take a small little break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about Spider Man into the Spider Verse. <laughs> Covered in water, though. <laughs> My pants dried because they're hiking. I hope it's water. Oh, for fuck's sake. You didn't hear my quip. I said, I hope it's water. Oh, brother. Dave, what can people do if they want to help support us on this very program? Well, they need to give us money. We need capital. We need the... Dave needs dry pants. <laughs> need more towels, actually. Yeah, we need capital. We need capital. So we need we need some, you know, monetary reflection of all the work that we put into the production mm -hmm. of this because uh, eating dry, stale bread and a single spoonful <laughs> of, uh, of soup. I have a difficult. single craft cheese <laughs> square, which, by the way, if you ever notice it, is actually called craft single because yeah, I cannot singles. legally not call it cheese. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the ice cream. What is it called? Yeah. Uh, uh, ice dessert ice is what dessert. they'll call it. At least because the they cannot legally well. call it ice cream. Yeah. Do you know Hagen das is a New York company? They just decided yeah, yeah, to... because it's it's two fake German words. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not. It's not even German. Yeah, yeah they yeah. decided it would sell more if they would uh, use a foreign language. I mean, they're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and they make good ice cream. You got to back it up. You go to our Patreon page, Kyle and Dave versus the Machine. Give us some support over there. And you can also reach out to us if you want to support directly. We can talk about your thing you're doing. Maybe you have a podcast, a new album coming out, a book you've written, mm -hmm. a comic book that you're trying to uh, foist upon the masses. Web, a web tune. Maybe you've developed something useful for a web 3.0. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Anything is possible. And uh, you can reach out to us at our email address. I know it's so short of an email address to remember Simple. but it is kyle and dave vs the machine at gmail.com all right dave we have wasted people's time enough here we've watched rewatched this movie this mm -hmm. was my fourth time watching this movie. i own it so i can't even tell you mm -hmm. how many times we've watched it and Good. we have to think of a scenario in case people maybe have not seen this movie before dave let's what planet are you let's say that yep. See what on Netflix. You and I have decided to go to the Century Box, which is an actual real place here in Calgary, Alberta, which sells board games and other nerdy paraphernalia. Wow. We're going through and we see a person that has a Spider-Man hoodie on. It's zipped all the way up. All the way up his face. Good. Yeah. Yep. And he comes at us, like running at us, wow. full tilt, uh, arms all akimbo, but then he pulls out... A DVD copy of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And he asks, Wow. And then wow. he unzips. And he's like, what is this movie about? What would yeah. your answer be? Why don't we say, I don't know, what's the best way to sum? I'm so bad at these plot descriptions now. My head <laughs> gets spinning about wanting to tell everything that happens. A young man who is bitten by a radioactive spider 
must mm-hmm. learn. Oh, uh, watches. Yeah, what is is it important? It's important. Spider Man dies, and it's important that yeah. we break a rift into the multiverse. So, how would you succinctly describe this as a plot? Uh, what's the log I think line it's about of this film? A, a teen who is juggling family life, like trying to make his dad proud of him while also trying to do well at school. Trying to also figure out how he fits the new into girl. the world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. While also having to deal with the fact that he has just been bitten by a radioactive spider, becoming and, Spider-Man and needs to save the world from crumbling in on itself. Uh, yeah. From the incursion of a multiverse. And Dave, what did you think about this movie? This is one of my favorite movies. It's hard, nowadays, it's hard to say all time. There's too many good movies, but it's definitely up there. Um, Easily my favorite and most watch rewatchable Spider-Man film. Probably on the top end of my most rewatched superhero films. And uh, if I were to classify this as general science fiction, it would still be up there. It's like close to per. I don't know what perfect films mean, but even outside the context that this is made for quote unquote families, this thing's got everything in it. Other than I guess uh, pornographic sex, which is a standard. <laughs> Whoa for fucking films these days. I actually think that is untrue. Got, that might be true for television. I don't got, think it's uh, uh, very true for movies. It's got a coming of age story. It's got superpowers, it's got comedy, Spider-Ham's in it, an amazing villain, uh, an actually believable conclusion. It's got a good cliffhanger. And uh, I was just, you know, I was watching this film and I was thinking about our talk about Ayn Rand with Incredibles yeah. 2. And you know what? Like, I'm still not going to say that Incredibles is for white supremacists, but I do understand where this argument's coming from because a classic Spider-Man, classic Marvel superhero film is more along the lines of finding your path to your own greatness as opposed to overcoming being uh, restricted by society, right? Right. Which I feel like is more DC, frankly. There's a little bit of a, a schism sure. there. So I really enjoyed watching this this time with my son. I, we've seen it before together, but and now that he's almost nine, he was like really digging it and just seeing this young man kind of have to overcome his own self-confidence issues like all every layer from therapy to plot to superpowers amazing the other layer to that to talk about that Anne Rand thing that we kind of brought up last week is that it is very explicitly even stated i mean one of the themes of this movie is like yes this makes you unique but it doesn't make you special being a spider-man there's like 20 other spider-man we see like five of them inside of this movie so it's like don't think that just because you have great powers means that you're like the best person available you have to still earn the respect of others and you still have to understand how to use those in the society i just think that's a really interesting twist on that idea i just assume everybody is the worst without even getting into the animation style or the visual effects or any of it. I mean, the music's great. I mean, we can also yeah, great talk soundtrack. about- soundtrack. I listen to the soundtrack a lot. Soundtrack's great, and we can talk a lot about if we want, although we may not be the most uh, qualified again, but just the depiction of urban minorities in New York without it becoming, again, like a, a puff piece about how everything's okay. Uh, mm-hmm. A weird, poor representation. Like, I, I can't wait. I haven't seen it, but I can't wait to watch Crazy Rich Asians. I have so many preconceived notions of why I'm going to hate this movie, but I don't think that overcorrecting is the right thing to do either. Sure. And uh, we'll see if I'm wrong. And it still stays in that nice, sweet center where there's genuine drama, cultural reflection, some therapy, <laughs> daddy issues that actually make sense. Uh, we deal with divorce, right? And loneliness. Mm-hmm. We deal with grief. It's, it's fantastic, top down. One of the best... Uh, 
reveals, you know, villain reveals in a while. Just uh, yeah, the Doc Ock reveal. Ah, amazing. Um, so it's uh, yeah, nice. Can I just tell you one of my favorites? Who plays Aunt May in this movie? Famous old actress, Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin does this such a great line reading because early in the movie, when she's revealed, the, the reveal happens. It's like, oh, let me guess. Your friends call you Doc Ock. And she's like, actually, my friends call me Liv. Yeah. And then later on, <laughs> Aunt May's like, oh, look, it's Liv. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great how she says it. Deadpan. I'm going to go further than you in, in saying that not only is this my favorite Spider-Man movie? This is my favorite superhero mm. movie. I am currently compiling, Dave, you know this, I've told you this offline, this stupid project I decided to do this year. Actually, I've been trying to do it for the last year in preparation was my 40 favorite films since the day I was born. So I'm almost completed, but this movie does show up on my top 40. I'm not going to reveal the my number. Top 40 at 40. Yep. But it but it does, it's in the upper half of the list. Let's mm -hmm. put it that way. It is, I, I like it that much. I think it's so rewatchable it, for all the points you just said. I think that it does such a great job of, of character, of you know, just the relationships between the characters. Stakes feel really real. I went into this movie really not thinking that they were going to kill Spider-Man off in the first five minutes. I was like, oh, okay, so this is this movie that they're going to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's some actual real stakes that they've thrown at us here. I mean, to that point, the other thing about this amazing writing is you're watching this, let's say, with children, really. Like, it, we're not talking about young adults or tweens. Mm -hmm. And even the way that uh, Spider-Man uh, 1, let's call him, is killed by the Kingpin is both violent, shocking, but palatable too. It's not like yes. gory. It's not like done gory with ripping malice. heads off or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as you were talking about before, because even by then, Kingpin's got some depth to his character, even though we haven't revealed the true nature. I, no, I think, do we already know? Yeah, because Peter Parker's just revealed that he understands what he's trying to do. So the burst of anger is emotional instead of yes. simply violent. Stuff like that's amazing. When you watch great writing, you know, you're just like, wow, yeah. this all fits together, man. Here's the other thing. So there's all of these like textual reasons why I love this movie. There's a, there's a meta-textual level that I also love about this movie. And I remember when this came out in 2018, a friend of mine who lives in Seattle, like literally called me the day he watched it. And we talked for like an hour about just this one idea, this the metatextualness of this. I think I love it and even love it maybe a bit more because of the bad Spider-Man movies we've had that this basically acknowledges where it's like, you've heard this before. You understand the origin story because you've seen it multiple times before. They show... <laughs> animated sequences from spider-man 3 from the amazing spider-man so it is like acknowledging also like hey all these things exist too we're not trying to make this is its own unique story that we're starting from the beginning it's like no we all get it we understand where we started from and also now we're going to talk about something new that repeated going back of like okay one more time let's just get through this backstory here's what's going on yeah and that is also done and it's it's funny it's quick it gets everyone up to speed it's paced um, really well yeah and it's paced really well yeah and so they bring in uh, Spider-Gwen, which is a, was in the comic books at the time and was gaining a huge fan base, mostly from her, well, from her storylines, yes, but also for her art style and, and, and uh, the way she was drawn. But there's all these other metatextual elements that they're throwing into this that I also just love. Uh, not quite fan service, but like kind of fan service-y things that, that just add to my enjoyment of this. I would still love this movie regardless, but I think I love it just a little bit more simply for the fact that there was bad Spider-Man movies mm. before this. I, I, I don't know. 
I've, I, I guess. I, I don't know. I'm trying to remember. I mean, now it's harder because th- we've just been inundated with so much superhero content. I mean, 2018, yeah. we we're already kind of awash in it. But I'm trying to remember if I thought of it so relationally. But of course, you have to because this thing comes out and you can immediately have an opinion about whether you like the Andrew Garfield movies. And for the most part, most people don't hide the, uh, hold them in such high esteem. No. But like, yeah, I think the last, I think the last Garfield, Andrew Garfield one was in 2014 or 2015. So it's like not like ancient history no, we're no. talking about. Yeah. And like we had just seen Infinity War like a couple months before this movie comes out. Yeah. So it's like we'd seen Tom Holland, um, well, maybe pass away at the end of that movie. Well, so he, it's like. He appears <laughs> in Civil War. That's his first film, I think. Yes. Yes. That's and then right. his first standalone movies in 2017, maybe. So we're already mm-hmm. on the new Spider-Man train, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's fair. I think I think it does get a bump for that. But you know, I'm trying to think like uh, there are so many Batman movies. Yeah. Uh, but I did do the same thing. Like I, I love Dark Knight, and I really liked Chris Nolan's reimagining of Batman. But when I watched the Batman, I did think about whether I liked it more or less. I could not take it on its own merit. And, you know, even when they bring the penguin, he's designed like the cartoon comic book penguin. Like, they didn't mm-hmm. make him, like the Riddler was weird. They made him into this uh, computer terrorist. He looked fucking terrible. We didn't even know he was a Riddler till the end. But with right. the penguin, he looked like a cartoon character. So there are, yeah, that's interesting. I'm raising a penguin army right now. By complete happenstance, there's two events that happen in 2018. Uh, beyond like the movies we just talked about one steve ditko passed away that year who co-created spider-man and also a month before this movie comes out stan lee passes away and so there's that in in the atmosphere which i remember you can laugh at me all you want but this is the last stan lee cameo yeah um shed a tear didn't you well, he did because what does he say? He's like, I'm gonna, I, I miss him, is what he says. Yeah. I think that's what he says. I'm gonna miss him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss, miss him. Yeah. And I re- vividly remember people being like, oh, like there was like this little outpouring in the theater when I went and watched this movie because like, oh, that's kind of how we feel about you because you've been doing all these cameos and stuff like that as well. So there's all these other Spider-Man related things that had happened in 2018 in the lead up to this. Yeah, and then going to the aesthetic, uh, you know, I, kind of talking about having reference to the past but building them to the future what do you call the three dot printing system i can't remember what it's called but uh well dot matrix no, no it's no. a pointillism is kind of kind uh, of no, what it is no, but not really it's a printing technique i actually i had this google when i watched but i watched this movie a while ago bende dots so mm. you i guess you didn't know this but when uh when Printing color back in the day. This is why we use uh, CMYK. They reproduce colors by blending core sure. values of ink. But in comic books, because you had to do them quick, the bende dots are visible in comic mm. in color comic books. Yeah. So the throwback of just including that as a texture over this film is fantastic, and it's one of the reasons why you might have thought it was blurry. But it was, I think, uh, the intent was to show that it's pulled out of a page and it's yeah, meant totally to be pulled out of from the comic book. Yeah. And, but what I did love about it is like there's those quick like speech balloons that happen yeah, throughout the, it the, or like the, the automatopoeia, bubbles. like like thumb thud yeah. things that happen. I think that do some great, they don't overdo it. I think they do them in, in, in the exact right times. Yeah. The actual movement is done. I did not know this until this week, but this is a throwback apparently to Looney Tunes style animation because they will go back and forth by animating in 24 frames per second and sometimes 12 frames per second. Yeah. 
which is why it gets a little chunky sometimes where it feels like very yeah i don't yeah. know like jerky but they wanted it that way they, they, there's a reason why that works in animation is because they want it to be snappy they don't want it to be fluid yeah i was i mean maybe jordan should come back and talk to us about frame rates again but i was googling uh shutter angles for videos just mm -hmm. because i was like what the fuck is a shutter angle and it turned out to be the ratio between your uh f-stop your shutter speed and the iso so like they, they actually interrelate oh, sorry your frame rate so like for example if you want the cinematic uh, effect 180 shutter angle means that if we're shooting at 30 frames per second we need a shutter at 60 frames per second so it's double there's like a whole thing Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, when I was watching this film, it reminded me of that, this idea that uh, in olden times, we saw with the Buster Keaton film, uh, we'll get a difference between real world speed and the ability mm -hmm. to film it. And you get that little staccato effects, you get movement that doesn't seem a little bit on the edge of normal. It's uh, It's got a fantastic energy and it is a little bit, uh, to your earliest point, um, surprising because we are coded now to expect the Pixar ultra realistic trying to well you know, i mean be there's almost, some animation that is doing it at 60 frames per second yeah. so we're we're used to like fluid and like well, high frame rates and yeah. that kind of stuff and that's the other thing that's interesting too about uh, our expectations of film like i have always loved the film blur right and i've mm -hmm. always disliked digital frame rates for this reason but uh that's a bias of mine because i grew up on film stock mm -hmm. so i love the texture and the how movement looks you know on cellophane but apparently, yeah, yeah. kids these days, they want 120 FPS because of their video games. And so things look right. more natural when they don't blur. So those are matters of taste. I just rewatched Steve Jobs the other day. There's this one point where they're making the next computer. And it actually technically is not a perfect cube because one of the sides is slightly longer than the other. And he explained in that movie, he's like, because if you make a perfect cube, people's brains can't recognize it's a perfect cube. So you actually have to make it wrong. So it looks like the cube that people think a cube should look like mm. and it like breaks your brain but perspective it's, it's kind of true for films too it's like sometimes you have to shoot something in a way even though that's not realistic or what it should look like because people think that that's what you have to do in order to make it realistic yeah. there's nothing that makes 100, 120 frames any realistic than anything else no. but it's whatever you become used to because then now everything will look like oh it's so slowed down like it yeah. feels like it's so going or so too slow blurrier. yeah it's low res man and the uh, yeah, other thing from a storyboarding perspective just because it comes from the comic book world all the exaggerated stills frames and choreography like literally are comic book shapes right like the way a person's arm can extend into you know negative space or how they attack each other so it has this great uh i don't know not nostalgia it's just a great energy i i just enjoyed yeah all this of it. I'm, I'm i'm really hopeful for the sequel but i wonder if it's going to be able to do the same magic trick twice the expectations like will probably be too high i'm not really i didn't even know it's coming out for such a fanboy mm. of the first one i knew they were making the second one but i haven't been that excited about it yeah uh, so we'll see We'll see what they I'm do. I'm going to say that. something that might be sound counterintuitive. There's one element of it that does make me a little bit more excited for it because it was supposed to come out last year. Okay. And they actually said, no, we want to make this a bit, uh, we're not ready to release it yet. And they actually pushed it back. I'm like, wow, that's actually somewhat bold for a movie studio to say, we're actually going to hold this off. Well, hopefully that's not because they screened it and they're like, this is a piece of shit. Yeah, this is <laughs> not good. <laughs> I mean, there was a studio that decided it was okay to release Morbius. There's a couple things of plot beats normally that annoy me, but I think they're handled so well in this movie. The one is like the scene where a character just won't say 
the thing that they need to say. But in this case, it's because his mouth is literally made so he can't speak. And it's his dad at the door, which I think is handled so uh. well about him, his dad coming and like explaining like, yeah, I'm hard on you, but like there's there's a reason behind this and hopefully you can forgive me. And like another cool thing about like this is the Peter Parker origin story, but told in a very different way about an uncle dying in front of you. Uh, and that forces you to be like, no, I'm going to you know, stand up for good. There's some of these plot points that even though they're well trod, I feel like are done in such a unique way in this movie to to make it not feel like so, I don't know, cliched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spe- you know, I was just thinking about Tom Holland films. One of the things that bothered me a lot of the first one was there was no origin story. We just presumed that he's already Spider-Man. But now that I think about it in the third one, is it fan service and Mercy Tomei just not wanting to be in this anymore? That they do the origin story after he's already Spider-Man? I mean, the most charitable reading, the most charitable reading is that like that was the idea from the get-go is that we were watching a three-picture three film about story. the origin story. Mm-hmm. That's the charitable reading. I don't know if that is actually the case or not. I think it had probably partly like Mercy Tomei is like, um, I can do other stuff yeah. <laughs> besides this. Well, I mean, we don't know, but yeah. Uh, but to this point, yeah, it's interesting. I think it was handled really well. I just, you know, I love too when good animators can translate human emotions so well mm-hmm. through a drawn image. Everybody's on the leaning to the cartoon scale. Uh, in their design. But anytime there's an actual tender moment, either of him flirting or his relationship with his uncle or with his dad or his mom, whatever, it's just, it's palpable. I love it. One of my favorite scenes is his uncle trying to show him how to flirt with women. He's like, hey. It's like, hey? It's like, no, no, no. Hey. (laughs) It's so good. So good because he's totally biffs it when he tries it out to bring out life. He messes up so badly. It's a keeper. Well, it's yeah. a keeper. Well, I want to talk for like 45 minutes about Spider-Ham, but before we do, uh, this movie opened on December 14th, 2018, currently rated 4.4 on Letterboxd, has an 8.4 on IMDb, an 87 on Metacritic, and on Rotten Tomatoes from 398 critics, it has a 97%, and from 10,000 plus users, it has a 93%. Available on DVD and Blu-ray, Available for rent on both YouTube and iTunes, and you can stream it on Netflix. For its now. budget was. Do you want to know? We want to guess what the budget was, Dave. Uh, over a hundred mil. No. Ah. It is ninety million dollars to make this movie. To put that into perspective, how does that both, seem cheap now? <laughs> well, it does sound cheap now, but I mean, again, animation does cost a lot of money. Uh-huh. But if you recall from the previous two weeks, no. Ralph breaks the internet and an Incredible Sue both were. 200 plus million dollars yeah. so i'm just saying for a movie that basically rewrote the rules of animation and they were able to do it under 100 it seems pretty phenomenal well, th- to me this is the thing i mean i didn't look it up but you look up everything everywhere all at once i'm gonna guess their production budget was a quarter of a fraction of an mcu budget yeah i think it was 30 million i think this thing's like 50 percent of a pixar film this is why i don't trust budget numbers and i think that they are uh, all f- false and, you know, big kind of tax schemes to attribute certain costs and people's lives into this idea of a budget. Because it's not like the quality has gone up. If anything, in the MCU and generally in Star Wars, the quality is going down. You know, you're not even mm. getting good special effects anymore. I don't know. It's fascinating. I, I mean, I'm going to guess too, unfortunately, that Spider-Man 2 is going to like uh, the next Spider-Verse movie will probably be double the budget. It's just the way capitalism yeah, works, but we'll see. 90, 90 um, is a lot I still. I look that up. It, 
it made $384 million, so it made some good money, but not enough to make it into the top 10, to, to put that into perspective. No, it's so, not a Mario Brothers. No, which just crossed the billion dollar mark. It did. Uh, in half the time, The Incredibles 2 did, so it is the new winner in that, uh, in that regard. For some reason, it does not have its budget listed for the new Spider-Man mm. film, so I don't know. Uh, its plot description, though, is Teen Miles Morales becomes the Spider-Man of his universe and must join with five spider-powered individuals from other dimensions to stop a threat for all realities. We do have some time to play everyone's favorite home game. Guess, Guess that, that, that tag. tag. This is where I get to on a handsome blazer, pick up a long microphone that Bob Barker used to use. And Dave, I know that you have been a little bit dismissive about the MCU here recently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You thumb your nose. Oh. But uh, I'm sure that when you go and you look at that row of posters at the theater, you still become excited sometimes. You see that little uh, witticism, little note that is on the posters. And this week, for instance, I'm sure you're going to get pulled to the movie plex to see <laughs> Guardians Volume 3. Okay. Yeah, I'll stream it, but... Uh, Which is I'm also, sure uh, I mean, this is for every single movie. Apparently it's good, <laughs> but I'll, I will see when I go and see it, like it in James a few Gunn. days. Because he, he's trying to have fun too. I will say this, did not think uh, Suicide Squad was going to have it's, a huge starfish birthing its babies in front of me. It's so pretty good. You know, it's right on the edge of being dumb, but it's pretty fun mm. to watch. Dave, this movie does have a tagline, so... One of these is true. The other two I've completely made up out of my own head. So was the tagline for this movie, your friendly neighborhood turned upside down? Was it, you've heard the story before, or have you? Or is it, more than one wears the mask? Oh, wow. What was the first one? Your friendly neighborhood turned upside down. Mm. I don't know. Let's go with three. More than one wears the mask? Sure. You are correct. Nice. That is the actual nice. tagline. Yeah. I was just thinking, it's not going to be a rhetorical question. And the first one doesn't make sense. Not that any <laughs> of these do, but why is it upside down? Maybe inside out? You, If you see the poster, he is upside down. It's the uh, what up danger <laughs> what's, uh, what, scene what's where spider, he's upside down. What Spider-Man isn't upside down? That's half the appeal. Just hanging mm -hmm. there. So cool. You've never once thought it was cool when I've hung upside down. This movie stars Shamik Moore as Miles Morales, Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy, Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker, Mahershala Ali as Uncle Aaron, Lily Tomlin as Aunt May, Catherine Hahn as Doc Ock, and Lee Schreiber as the Kingpin. Oh, you didn't you didn't shout out your boy, Nick? What? Nick Cage. Oh, yeah, I, I, there's like, I didn't want to do like 17 people I know, people but that's like cast, your favorite so. human being on the earth. And Nicholas Cage is Spider-Man Noir. <laughs> I could go John Mulaney as Spider-Ham as well. But. Yeah, actually, you said you wanted to bring up Spider-Ham. You didn't bring up John Mulaney. Mm -hmm. uh, I, this cast is incredible. Can I just tell you, in the year 2018, Mahershala Ali did appear in the best film of the year. <laughs> but it wasn't Green Book. Oh, man. Yeah, I... I was looking up Miles Morales. What's what's that actor's name? And I realized Shamik Moore. Yeah, I, I like, think I've I like seen Dope. Dope. Dope's I've good. seen Dope. Yeah, I, I saw him in uh, there was something else where it's not a comedy, but I don't remember what it was. I have to look at his uh, letterbox page. I've become, I guess, a fan of Haley Steinfeld. I just something. Fun I think about she's her. an interesting actress. Yeah. Uh, she's also a producer at a very young age, so she's picking her own projects, oh, which okay. is honestly the um the way to go. The way to go. Uh, who who's Barbie? Who's starring as oh, Barbie? Oh, Margot Robbie. 
Margot Robbie is doing the same thing yeah. where she is like, I've read it. I listened to an interview with her where she said the same thing where she lost out on these three big parts. Yes. And she was like, the only way I'm going to get the roles I want is if I produce my own work. I think Heidi Seinfeld has kind of done the same thing. Yeah. Catherine Hahn's always good. I love, I love Jake Johnson. Yeah. He's great voice in this. He's in just this movie. good. He's just the most dry. Just like Chris Pine is the original Spider-Man. Chris in Pine's this good movie. in it, but yeah. I just love this broken sarcastic man in every film or television show he's in <laughs> we watched the first season of new girl the oh yeah he's good he's a he's the only well actually no they're all uh, the other guy's good too but he is he's just good in that the way safety that not he guaranteed does, he's just such a i'm always a fan of line readings i like if they hit it in a great cadence he can turn invisible not on command yeah. he cannot <laughs> do it on command but he can't turn invisible yeah. <laughs> leaf schreiber was an amazing kingpin He's the one who's like, it always, I'm always surprised. Like, oh, that's right. It is Lee Fry yeah, yeah. as the Kingpin because it doesn't sound like him. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's Canadian, right? What did we, what did we see in there? I don't remember. Uh, oh, uh, Hurricane? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think he's Canadian, but he's, uh, he's great. His Kingpin is fantastic in this. Gives him pathos. Yeah. Pathos. It's good. Um, it's good movie. There is no cinematographer for this, so I didn't know how to figure out who was who I, written by Phil Lord and Rodney Rothman story by Phil Lord directed by Pob Persichetti, Peter Ramsey and Rodney Rothman. Those are the three people who mm. are directing it. While IMDb does not credit this and I forgot to check the film when I was watching it, if it is actually said in the credits, but this is a loose adaptation of the Dan Slott written storyline called Spider-Verse, which appeared in the issues of Amazing Spider-Man in 2014. But the real person we should discuss is Amy Pascal. Does that name ring a bell for you? She's a producer, has her own production company. Her logo, Pascal Pictures, shows up at the very beginning of this movie. Yeah, And she is very influential in Hollywood, especially with her time at Sony Pictures. She was the co-chairperson of Sony Pictures Entertainment starting in 2006, where she oversaw the motion picture division acquisitions, the TV division, digital content, and the development of new entertainment products. So she loves Spider-Man. <laughs> well, she does, because in her time at Sony, she personally oversaw the deal that allowed Sony to make Spider-Man films with Marvel, but she also oversaw, along with the Broccoli's, the Daniel Craig James Bond films, the Da Vinci Code films, Sony animation with stuff like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and Hotel Transylvania, and oversaw more awards-friendly films like Captain Phillips, Zero Dark Thirty, Moneyball, and The Social Network. She's a winner. Yes. Now, it is probably in part because of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs that Lord and Miller, which Lord and Miller wrote and directed that movie too, that Pascal approaches them and asks if they're interested in doing an animated Spider-Man film. This is in 2014, I should point out, that she approaches them. Just quickly, both Cloudy films are actually pretty good too. Yeah, that's I didn't what think I would too. like them either, but they were quite fun. We know that their initial meeting happens in 2014, uh, specifically because of North Korea. <laughs> uh, do you remember the Sony hacks, Dave? Does that ring a bell to you at all? Uh, sure. This was a really big deal in 2014, if we go back in time. So it was in part because of a little film called The Interview. Right. Uh, this will make more sense in just a moment why I'm bringing this up. But So The Interview, I it was uh, funny, Seth, but... Seth Rogen, yeah. uh, James Franco, right? was supposed to be released, super critical of North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, but a little group that called themselves the Guardians of Peace hack into Sony's computers and release a bunch of sensitive information about current employees, upcoming releases, also gives away a bunch of stuff like 
the families of employees, like where they live, their wages, their emails, the budgets of certain films, like the real budgets of certain films. And then after they were done copying up all this information and releasing it, they ran some malware to erase all of Sony's computer infrastructure. This did cause Sony not to release the movie, the interview into theaters. It went directly on streaming. And this is not an overnight hack. So it's been reported since then that whoever did this, there was someone who was arrested, I should point out, but it was probably not just one person. But whoever did this uh, spent at bare minimum a couple months because there was a lot of data that they copied off of, of the servers. Anyway, there's all to say from that hack and what was released because people went through and read everything. There's a bunch of emails that go back and forth between Pascal, Lord and Miller trying to figure out this deal. Lord and Miller, of course, being interested in adapting a new storyline called Spider-Verse, but starring Miles Morales instead. In part because of that very Sony hack and some less than other um, some less than flattery other emails that uh, Amy Pascal sent. <clears throat> she sent some racist stuff, Dave. Nice. Pascal had to step down as the head of Sony in early 2015. She stays on as a producer of this film, though. This is that's also how people found out that they were making an animated Spider-Man film because that had not even been announced yet. It's amazing they went through with it. So Lord and Miller give the direction that they wanted it to feel like someone had stepped inside of a comic book rather than it being just another standard 3D animated film. Um, a shout out should be given to this guy named Alberto Mielgo, who Lord and Miller did this extensive test animations with for a few months. Mielgo was fired by Sony because of artistic differences, whatever that means. Um, ultimately, a team of 60 animators worked on this movie, though, to get it across the finish line. I, t I talked about this before about uh, the different frame rates that make this a unique looking movie. Of the directors though, we have Rodney Rothman who came on to help streamline the script and step in as co-director. He had helped out with 22 Jump Street, so that's how they knew him. Sony is the one who decides to get Bob Persichetti uh, also to help co-direct. He had extensive animation experience going as far back as working on Hercules in 1997 as an animator. But he'd also been an animator for Mulan, Tarzan, Emperor's New Groove, and Shrek 2. Oh, wow. Peter Ramsey was the first black director of an animated film ever with a movie called Rise of the Guardians back in 2012. Oh, is that the one with the tooth fairy? Santa Claus and, yeah, and yeah, tooth fairy yeah. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah. He was asked to come across as well. He started his career as a storyboard artist. Uh, specifically for Fight Club and Being John Malkovich. Interesting. Two, two movies that we've we've uh, talked about. I do find it weird that while Lord and Miller are returning to the sequels as producers, none of these three men are involved in the two sequels. Ah, two sequels? What? You said two sequels. Yes. So there's the two sequels that were announced for Spider-Verse. One is coming out this year. The third oh. one is coming out next year. Oh, there's They made them simultaneously. Oh, I didn't know that. So there's more than one. Is it going to yeah. be like... One storyline split into two? That I don't know. I'm I'm guessing yes, but I have no idea. Mm, strange, ambitious. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I'm actually kind of a fan if things can be done simultaneously and just get released. Do the, well, my do the Lord of the Rings thing. Just release them three years in a row. Why not have something more succinct? Why do you need something that's going to take two movies? That's usually where these stories start to unravel. Yeah. Now, there's definitely a lot of buzz surrounding this film in comic book circles, and especially Spider-Man fans. This would be the first time Miles Morales would have a major role in the film. Uh, this was even before the Spider-Man video game, which heavily featured this character. I think it came out the year after. And as you've heard, it's released... Uh, it's, sorry, and as you've heard, it got released, makes a lot of money. Not as much as even the lower Marvel release films of that time period, I should point out. This is me going back to the soapbox again. I do think that North America has this weird perception of animation, 
where it's lesser than rather than it being like a quote unquote real movie. Mm-hmm. My prediction though happens to be so many people found this on streaming and VOD when it came out. I predict it's going to have like a huge increase in ticket sales. We'll see if I'm right. It did break an eight year streak of Pixar or Disney winning the best animated feature Oscar. That was definitely not a sure thing going into the awards ceremony. A lot of people thought for sure this it was going to go with Incredibles 2. This won the Oscar for best animated feature. Good. Good. But maybe it should have been nominated for some more. Yeah. Spider-Ham. <laughs> I it's we're This is people. absolutely a character that would never work in a live action of setting, course. but because it's animation, it works so well, but it's like the smell of an apple pie, like how he floats around. It's like, I, he, the way John Mulaney performs it, and I know there's some people who don't like John Mulaney anymore. I don't anymore, like John but, Mulaney very much, but he's great. His voice is great. I just don't his like- His voice is- You know, his smug, preppy uh, persona his, on his stage. His white face. But his voice work is great, and he's perfect for Spider-Ham. He's yeah, hilarious. Like everything out of his mouth makes me laugh inside of this movie. Yep. Uh, I like Penny Parker, too, yep. with her robot. That's actually from the comic books as well. Oh, is it? So that, that's- yeah. Spider-Man Noir is actually a thing in the comic books too. Like there's a whole series. The Rubik's Cube joke is fucking hilarious, right? It's, it's so purple. Good. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Just talking about how it makes fun of itself, you know, when Spider-Man Noir shows up and we're like, where's this wind coming from? Where's the wind coming from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're so self-aware and the humor spot on. Do you have the, have you seen the Spider-Ham short? No. That accompanies this film. No, is it good? It's pretty hilarious. So they talk about what you were talking about at the beginning with the 70s Spider-Man having such a low budget that they have to recycle the frames. So he gets into this chase with this lobster and that's mm-hmm. one point they both come back to the room they're like have we even left the room we're like well the budget's so low you know they uh, <laughs> make a joke about that that's like old flintstones cartoons it's like just a loop the background yeah. so you see the same tree or can or whatever that they run by 17 times yeah it's good and emerson really liked that because kids these days have trouble accessing looney tunes right it's just not widely available anymore so for us which old- is so wild to me because it was like so prevalent when i was growing up I, you know i think some of it doesn't age well like the no, true. Slapstick like, there's a lot of racism like, and there's stuff. There's a lot of, right. yeah, racism and... Uh, misogyny and stuff. Like definitely and misogyny and, and homophobia and there's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I will say though, just being the huge fan of animation that I am, there's some great stuff in those Looney Tunes oh, shorts. Yeah. There's some really good stuff. Well, it informs so much comedy, right? And mm-hmm. I think not just cartoon comedy, but it was part of a big sure. uh, language of comedy in the... 30s 40s 50s 60s whatever at any rate i think there's a call out for that too just pure cartoon slapstick spider-man is just a beautiful bright point and i love how his idiocy factors into the final fight and you just mm-hmm. believe it <laughs> there's a hammer and yeah. anvil and you're like yep those are deadly weapons because uh, in the right <laughs> hands they can destroy anybody it's hilarious yeah, yeah. i just I, I love miles becoming more confident in himself. I think that's the biggest thing that he is struggling with is trying to figure out who he is, which I think is just so relatable, not just to teenagers, but to everyone. Like everyone has had that moment of being like, well, is this what I want to do? Who am I really? Like there's some, some great stuff. And, and the way that it's like the, the spray painting um, imagery and the way that that's animated even, there's again, there's some beautiful animation that happens inside of this. Oh, graffiti's fucking on point in this thing. Uh, you know, bring up his final power up. You know, coming mm. off of his failure, it's just beautiful writing, his failure as Spider-Man and like you brought up, his muted conversation where his father reveals sort of his inner feelings, his inner dialogue about his son. And then you get that catharsis, right? Like this mm. this sense of 
you know, release when he finally takes a hold of his fate and he blows that stupid webs open off his body and he turns invisible and you're like, all right, game on. Let's fucking, let's go do this thing with him. You're like with him yeah, for the rest of the journey. It's like so exciting. Even talking about it right now, I'm like, I need to watch this yeah. movie again. It's so Just cool. even like, there's actually moments where I will go to YouTube and just watch the uh, uh, What's Up Danger yeah. sequence of this movie because yeah. it's so pitch perfect. The music is perfect. Yeah. There's so many good things about this. You're both so cringy right now. There's three last things I just want to bring up. One, I like how this movie starts it says it's been approved by the comics yeah. code. <laughs> We've talked about that before on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just wanted to say that's interesting just as a comparison about how this movie has characters who are glitching because they're in the wrong multiverse. Right. Which is very similar as Vanellope was in the, uh, the sequel to Wreck-It Ralph. So there's like two anime properties that are dealing with the same thing. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there was... A bigger thing coming before these films where glitching was important, but it's not. There has to have been. Yeah. I feel like there, well, there was a Tron reference or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. The last thing is just a, a quick thing that for some reason I've never really clocked before, but I noticed this time and it made me laugh. When they go to Aunt May's house and it's like the big reveal, right? It's like she's a much more big badass than what you thought. Mm -hmm. She boom, kicks open her door, but she's kicking open her own back door to get out to the yard. To the shed, yeah. <laughs> Which I love because like, well, you probably have a key. Uh -huh. or like, basically, it's probably not even locked. So you're like, he's kicking down your That's door. That's the 90s no action reason. movie trope. I love it. I know. It's so funny to me. <laughs> I think it's so good. <laughs> well, I love, you know, Jack Johnson's uh, commentary as they go, I'm like, oh yeah, I've got one of these. It's like, oh yeah, well, mm -hmm. my, you know, we just go down this elevator and it turns into a Batman <laughs> cave. Hilarious, yeah, yeah. you know? Which again, another little bit of fan service, but in the background, oh no, did I actually comment on it? No, I can't remember. But there is uh, the spider car, yeah. which is this infamous thing that was in the comic books for like three issues and people hated it so much oh, they never used it buggy. ever again. <laughs> it's a blue yeah, and so red bad, buggy. So yeah. bad. <laughs> <laughs> what movie, when they talk about capes, that's from another film. That's The Incredibles. Oh, is it from The Incredibles? Yeah. The first Incredibles. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's right. They keep getting sucked up by their capes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that stuff's great. It's it knows exactly what it is. It's I think this is Lord and Miller. They're so self-aware. Mm -hmm. You know, all of their I think films. They're, they're smart enough. Yeah. And I think what was on their part, they were like, "Listen, we could step in as being the directors of this movie too. Let's give someone who, because this is a Miles Morales story, let's give it to some people who totally understand this. Yeah, in the a different way that we two white guys are going to understand it. Yeah. We'll we'll front the money." We know what we want to do with it, but like you're going to give it more authenticity. Yeah. And I think it was to their credit. I think it works out really well because that's what they did. We're done here. All right. So the machine says that we do have to wrap things up here. So Dave, we should first start off by getting into critics choice here. This is the part of the show where we discover what the critics thought at the time this film was released. I'm going to talk about the positive review left by Nell Minow from Movie Mom, who writes, the style of contemporary animation is usually hyper-reality with every hair on every head moving and shining just as it does in real life. The style of this film is exuberantly stylized, comic book style, and it is thrilling to see it translated to screen so skillfully. The interactions with the variations of Spidey are clever and exciting, and the movie is serious about its world and its story and characters, but never about itself, which is very comic booky too. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the happiest surprise of this season, a gift that will tingle spidey senses in the audiences. Nice. I just pre-read what you want me to read, and this guy's <laughs> clearly... I, this, <laughs> I knew you were going to get mad by this one, so... 
Well, this is uh, how I picture every movie critic now. <laughs> so Richard Brody, no surprise, works for The New Yorker. The phantas Phantasmagorical? Phantasmagorical. Already fail, right? You already know that he doesn't know what he's talking about. I bought the URL phantasmagoria.com <laughs> for a year. Are you being serious? Out. Oh, I'm wow. very serious. The phantasmagorical power of CGI is amped up and dulled down. That doesn't make sense in this animated extension of the Marvel franchise. Also, it's not part of the same franchise. Sorry, Richard, you're talking out your ass. Do I have to read the rest? While drawing graffiti in an underground tunnel, a Brooklyn middle schooler named Miles Morales is bitten by an exotic spider, which gives him superpowers. He's joined by a band of arachnid superheroes from other dimensions, including the original Peter Parker. Eh, debatable. Their interactions are clever, even when their motives are bland. The spectacularly colorful, varied, and busy animation is impressive, but bombastic. Is there a but? What, is it, what does that mean to you? No idea. Leaving little room for wonder and suggesting exertion rather than inspiration. It feels now. If you could sum up what he's trying to say, Dave, what would you? How would you say? It? What would you say? I don't. I, he contradicts himself. Uh, it's too colorful, but not colorful enough. Is yeah, basically like how it, I read that. The, the CGI is amped up and dulled down. What does that mean? They've always said that you are too amped up and dulled down of a human. <laughs> so it's weird, right? Yeah, Richard Brody needs to get out of his. I mean, I was actually trying to look for like a really well thought out negative review and I could one. not find them. No. So, I mean, and you don't, one doesn't have to always agree with everything we say. They should. But in a film like this, to be logically critical is difficult. Unless you're just simply stating an opinion, like, I just didn't have a good time or I can't identify, you know, mm -hmm. with this adventure. And that's fine. But to try to. I've never been bitten by a spider, so I couldn't understand <laughs> it's why. Real. Anyone... It's not yeah. real. I've tried to have spiders bite me and I just can't get their powers. <laughs> Dave, does this hold up and is it still culturally relevant? Yes, and yes. It watches really well and it revolutionized movies. It's perfect. It's uh, eminently rewatchable. It holds up. And you know what? I was thinking the other uh, couple hours ago when I was thinking about doing this episode, because it's a parallel universe, it also exists out of time. So I don't have to worry yes. about it dating itself, right? It's just whatever, universe 8x720 tween. It's like... Uh, it exists in its own spots. Well, I, I was often thinking about that. I mean, some people will like make fun of 80s movies for this thing too, where it's like, oh my God, Look at that hair. soundtrack. Yeah. It's like so 80s. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know. Like it does give you, this give you a sense of that time. Whereas like if I'm making a movie in 2023 about the 80s, it's like, well, I'm just going to pick like the most popular songs yeah. from the 80s, yeah. whether Foxy it makes sense or not. Yeah. And this is like such a cool mixtape of a of a soundtrack that yes i am sure like in 40 years from now i'm gonna be like oh that sounds like so 2018 <laughs> like but yeah it's of its time it's not trying to pick the most popular necessarily there's some popular artists on this too but it's not gonna be like well it's only kanye and whoever else is, yeah, yeah. or and beyonce because it's the late 2010s yeah yeah uh, and you and you kyle how did you rate this i mean i'm guessing yes too i, I mentioned this before this is even in five years has so fundamentally changed how animation is looked at yeah. and, and perceived and pushed in such a different way that I can't say that it isn't culturally relevant. I think even in another 10 years, people are going to be like, oh my gosh, like the inflection point of like before Spider-Verse and after Spider-Verse is so pronounced yeah. that, yeah, it's it's hard not to see its influence in that way. I just think it's like, it's a movie I'm always open to watching. It's funny. It's poignant. <laughs> It's thrilling. Yeah, I like all everything about it. And it so. runs tight. It's, it's not even two hours. I think I it's, know that's why it's it, like it, 80 it, it, it zips. Yeah, it's, it's paced so well. 
So what you're saying is it's the next one should be two and a half hours It's long. going to be. If there's two, you know they're both going to be three-hour films. <laughs> they're going to infinity right, so war it. Yeah. We do need to rate this film, but before we do, that's what Dave and I thought. What do you think? You can send any feedback to machine at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle KDVSTM. If you want to see the entire list of films we've watched and the ratings we've given, you can go to our Letterboxd page. That's letterboxd.com slash KDVSTM. And if you want to support us monetarily so that we can continue doing this podcast and not usher in the next apocalypse, you can go to our Patreon page. There is a link in the show notes of this episode. You can support for as low as a dollar per month, something you can do for absolutely free is to leave a rating and review on whatever app you use for podcasts. So let's get to the rating of this movie. Dave, what are you going to give Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse out of five? Uh, five. Yeah, five. You have to debate about that for a while. You have to think about yeah, it. Yeah, let me think of five. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm also giving it a five. I knew this <laughs> was going to happen. So this is immediately going to go right to the very tippy top of our list for 2018. So it's going to enter our list at the number one position right above if Beale Street could talk. That also does mean, though, Dave, because this is part of the Letterboxd Top 250, we have to put it into this list. Oh, I should also point out, this is a pretty cool day. Do you recall the very last time both of us gave a movie five out of five? Office Space? No. The last time we did it was for a uh, in-between seasons episode for Spirited Away. Spirited Away. Which is two and a half years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so to that point, because we are giving this a five out of five, mm-hmm. it is tying with Spirited Away on our top 250 list that we are keeping. So would you put this above or below yeah, Spirited one. Away? Tough one. Tough one. It is. I don't know. The tone is so different. How do we choose? We'll, we'll just leave it as a tie. I think... The only thing I would say that pushes... Because I love Spirited Away. Like Spirited Away is also on my top 40 list. <laughs> If I had to be like, be really, really critical, Spider-Verse is probably more influential, and that's the only edge I can mm. see that it gets. Uh, yeah, for me, the storytelling element is so different because one is yes. mythological and one is, you know, American culture, right? Like, I don't know how Spider-Man translates globally. It might mm. be why it's 300 million and not a billion dollar Actually, movie. can I just, very quick sidebar, do you know of the Japanese Spider-Man? No. In the 70s, they have a live, they did a live action Spider-Man TV show oh. called Spider-Man. Nice. Like that, that's how you say his name, who also appears in the, that Spider-Verse comic book, which I think is really funny. Anyways, you can find clips of it online. It is bananas. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess from a global cultural view, I might say Spirit Away is supposed to be better. Okay. I think it's very North American to put this above, which I, for me, it will be. Like I, I will probably watch this before i watch spirit away again but i think on a broad global scale spirit away is okay well let's do that then we'll just put it in the number two position on our top 250 that means that it is going to go right below spirit away and right above fight club the kids parents turn into hogs right i mean that's (laughs) that's important well let's find out what we are going to watch next week here it's going to be good i just have a great feeling that we're going to keep hitting these heavy hitters Uh, yeah, well, we get to talk about sort of Spider-Man again. This time, we're going to talk about Venom. <laughs> I did bring it up. The comic book was funny. I'm sorry to spoil my opinion, but this is a poopy movie, and it's bad. It's a bad movie <laughs> that shouldn't exist. But it made a ton of money, so we have to talk uh, about it. If I had already seen it, 
it might be a film which has really made me question why I thought Tom Hardy was ever a good actor. <laughs> hey, I will get into it with you. That is basically the, the, the disconnect between this film of the fans of it being like, that's the point, and me being like, but it's an awful point. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I just watched, uh, rewatched Mad Max Fury, Fury Road, Road last night. So I'll keep that in mind when we talk about Venom. It's the same character. He talks to himself in that movie too? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, oh my gosh. I, do you notice that, Dave? The, the, the machine is like, it's glitching. It's like going in and out of phase. Yeah. Yeah. It has a different number of heads. Wait, how many heads did it have? One? It had one. Yeah. So and now it was two for some reason. Mm. Does it still have like a, what were we doing last time? Did it have buttons? Something changed the last time we were talking about it. There is a rope between its legs that you can tug. What? No. <laughs> You've never once thought it was cool when I've hung upside down. 